We are back here on Inside LAFC, the Max and Vince podcast. We are coming off the LAFC defeat at Atlanta United on Sunday. We have a lot to talk about. We have a very special guest today. This is going to be a very good pod. And uh, again, we're here to, to tell it how we see it. Vince LaRosa, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Max Bredos. Yeah, let's tell it how we see it because we actually watched it all the way through. Yeah. I feel like some people are not watching the games all the way through. Not fans, per se. Just some people that are making some comments on LAFC, uh, on the way they play. Uh, they're seeing results. And I understand you lose 1-0. Uh, you've now uh, you've gone five or six winless. Uh, you haven't won in the month. I get it. Uh, but you and I, we'll, we'll pick it apart. Look, I do understand that we've had to come on here a couple times to say, we understand that the results are not good enough. But that, your beard getting kind of shaggy right I, there. I, well, I'm, I've decided to grow it until LAFC scores, Look scores, scores their third goal in the game. So <laughs> it's going. See? It's going to happen. My, my, yeah, my, <laughs> my face is the actual like, uh, result of the Look season. If you, if, you watch, if you watch the podcast on YouTube, which you should, because Max and I always come very stylish. Max has the great... West Ham Hammers kit on we, today. That's a good-looking that? kit. Come on. That is a good-looking kit. Come on. Kit. I like uh, the collar uh, on it, too. I, I, Vince always trying to, you know, rain on my parade. I said ever since LAFC came into existence with the black and gold in 2018, a lot of teams have had a black and gold jersey come out. And you're I'm like, no, oh, it hasn't. I'm just Barcelona, saying, West the, Ham, the insidi- IX. These, the Factually, you're true, but the insinuation is that they were like, ooh, look at that LAFC kit. Let's do that. I think there's a guy in Amsterdam going, hey, do you see uh, I'm trying to do gold member. Yeah. Do you see uh, LAFC jerseys? I like it. Maybe get the IX colors. Yeah, but you know. you know, That's a du- pretty good Dutch accent. That is pretty good. No, but they're so blunt, they would be like, you see the LAFC jersey? I like 50% of it. Not the what other. Was that Zenit St. Petersburg over there? Was that, are yeah, they going to do it to you? A little, a little bit Dutch Russian. Dutch Russian. I do a Jose Mourinho, it all kind of fleshes out. So I got that because I don't wear a lot of jerseys, but, you know, uh, I like this one. Because mm-hmm. it gets you in the velvet ropes. A little bit tight. It's the large. I go with the large. Yeah. I'm kind of like, I'm, the, I'm a size between the large issue. and extra you get, large. You get the player issue one, huh? Yeah. Yeah, maybe not a good idea. <laughs> not really. Not really. Yeah, exactly. These are built for athletes. Obviously, uh, I'm not in that category. So uh, I, I, we came in pretty hot for the pod, but I did want to talk well, a little fashion. We just want, yeah, we just want to say that. Should we ease into it? Yeah, no, I mean, we just did, I we guess. Did. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask you about your weekend, or uh, did you watch I mean, any- you had a fantastic weekend. I had a weekend. great weekend. I had a On great a pontoon? weekend. Mammoth. The pontoon is a remarkable vehicle. If you ever get to rent one, just get a bunch of people on there and enjoy the day and drop an anchor. That's a good, it's like a Corona is that commercial. A youth, is that a euphemism? Drop an anchor. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it is not. So, pontoon's uh, just fun to say. Pontoon is. It's a... Uh, you know, it's so easy to manage. Like I said, you don't have to be Magellan to navigate this thing. Yeah. <laughs> you could get it and be like, hey, nice riding. I go, yeah. Harbor Master grabs you in, pulls you in. You step, you step out. You get your cooler with your, yeah, and just, you your just sundries. It's pretty, it's not too wobbly. A little, you know, keeps you from getting Very a little nice. seasick out there. Did you watch a lot of football? There was a lot going I did. on. All the leagues started, except for Syria. Except for Serie A, you got to wait. I like that. It's like, wait a minute. It's too much. It was too, it was too much yeah. stuff going on. Serie A was like, what's the hurry? Yes. But you had ABC, ESPN with La Liga. I saw Dan Thomas, Alejandro Moreno, who I have two really good friends on that coverage. It was great. NBC, they come out, man. They bring it out with the Premier League. Full crowds everywhere. I was like, what's yeah. going on? It was a shock to my system. Not, not that uh, I don't think he's good, but I, I saw... Pablo Zabaleta's on the ESPN thing, and I still work, still work in progress. But my no, my first take was this: 
they thought Messi was going to still be in. Like, how many Argentines are on these broadcasts? And uh, Mario Kempes? I mean, great, but uh, there's no Messi Argen- anymore. Yeah, Argentines are a certain way about their, their coverage. I like it. Two of the greatest players, two, maybe the two greatest players. They hedge of all their time bets towards a certain star that's from a certain. Oh, area, yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. I'm sorry. No, he's not there. Pablo Zabaleta would have looked good in this black and gold Hammers jersey, former yeah. West Ham Hammer at one point. Uh, I, I, they'll, they'll have to move a lot. And you know the, the show El Chiringuito de Jugones? It's oh, in Spain I with Jose Pedrerol. I... They came on, and I couldn't stop laughing because their headline was after Barcelona won their game against Alaves, was it? No, I'm no, sorry. Alaves no, no, Real Sociedad. To, yeah. Real Sociedad. Uh, he came on. He goes, Barcelona, better without Messi, question mark, with a little bomb. And I was like, yes, one game in. Prisoner of the moment. Well, Braithwaite, I mean... <laughs> Who needs Messi when you got Braithwaite? A friend of mine sent me a photo of Braithwaite looking in the mirror, and the reflection in the mirror was Ronaldo Phenomeno with a Barcelona jersey. I was like, everyone's... Did I just go in a cloud cuckoo land or whatever? Well, okay. By the way, I think Barcelona they, might be better this year than last year. They might end up. Yeah, yeah. they might. Uh, they, you know, a, a bit of continuity with the coach, whether, whether you agree with Ronald Koeman or not. Uh, y- you're kind of moving some pieces, and you're not dictating the game around Messi, which is never a bad strategy. But, yeah, things change. And uh, I think this, that's actually a good segue, though, because after one weekend, everyone's like, oh, everything's always one thing or the other. It's zero or 100. No one's ever in between. And that's what we're trying to say is we understand results, but we're watching the full games, and we're here to bring you a little bit of nuance. So let's get into the game. Yes. First thing you noticed about the LAFC game. First thing you noticed, you you, you were going to go to Atlanta. Now you watched at home. Yeah. So you home. watched uh, the the ESPN broadcast mm-hmm. like I did. First thing you noticed. Uh, there was like a big Death Star-esque <laughs> sunbeam in the middle of the field. And why why anyone thinks that's a great idea? Like, uh, I know some of you are not the biggest Bob Bradley fans right now, but Bob Bradley consistently says, hey, it's not just about... Uh, we need better players. We need better referees. We need just better football. Uh, we need the football to look better. And I know you guys like to oh, clown yeah. him because he doesn't like turf. Uh, he likes uh, a nice, wet, you know, slick pitch. Uh, he likes grass. But he's consistently right about this. There's a reason why Champions League games look fantastic, and it's not just because Messi's on the pitch. It's because games at night, under the lights, with no shadows, look nice amazing. Green turf, nice green surface, yes. I should say. And then you see Atlanta that has not just not real grass, but they have turf that looks like dead grass, which is a, an interesting it's choice. It's staggered. In- yeah, they're trying. They're trying. I get it. Uh, and then you have a sunspot in the middle of the field that's forcing was- the camera to adjust between Every light time. and dark. Every single time. See, I'm glad you said that because I tweeted that. And I said, is it my vision going a bit, t-? which I, I immediately blame myself. I go, my vision's going. I got to go see the eye doctor Monday morning to get this fixed. But it wasn't because when I tweeted, everyone's like, my eyes keep adapting. One guy retweeted. It goes, it looks like the eye of Sauron. Yeah. <laughs> and poor Brad Guzan's got his, he's trying to watch it. And it wasn't just Atlanta. I watched the Galaxy Minnesota game and half the field in shade bisected down the, the lengthwise of the field. Half the field in shade, half the field in sun. And that was almost worse because the camera had a really, really hard time because the sun was so bright on such a large swath of the pitch. Christopher Sullivan thought it was bonkers when I said that in the San Jose game, that it's like these shades are just really hard to engage on the on the images. And these are afternoon kickoffs. We need afternoon kickoffs. Or Look, we have a hard enough time getting convincing people that this sport is exciting to watch, but when they can't watch it, 
without being like, oh, I just can't do it. Hey, look, with it hurts your eyes. Hey, here's here's a hot second of hockey talk. Hockey's one of the greatest sports to see in person because you can see in person, you can actually watch it. I understand when people say I hate watching it on TV because I can't see the puck. Hockey has still not figured out a way so people can see the damn puck, the most important part of the game. And yes, so you're right. And you I brought know, up I hockey apolog- on the show, which I is know, a no-no. I apologize. But you got that Stanley Cup beard going. You've got like your. This is my, it's like you're with I got my the, playoff beard going. It's like you're with the uh, New York Islanders and you're in the second round of the playoffs and you're feeling good yeah. playing the Senators. Me and Mike Bossy. <laughs> You're too young to mention Mike Bossy. So that was obviously the issue. And obviously that's got nothing to do with uh, the final result. It's just for our viewing pleasure. We'll leave it at that. You know the second thing I've noticed? What? Much better start than against San Jose. Yes. And not uh, just because they didn't give up a goal. They looked organized. Once you can get over, overcome that. And I think they, by the way, I think they enclosed that part of the roof, but they had a full, they had a, they had a big crowd. By the way, hats off to the LAFC. Oh, right. Never, I, let's not even get into why they probably have to have the thing open. Okay. Okay. I, I don't want to get into that. You're yeah. Right. LFC supporters there representing fantastic. They were up at the top. They put them up at the top. But uh, we heard you, and we know this was a, a road trip that was circled. You guys were going to make it up there and uh, reconsidered for for uh, for obvious reasons, which is is good, and we we'll get into all of that. But as the game started, we know LAFC. These are two teams that are held in such high regard. We knew LAFC hadn't won in five. They were looking to to end that. Road wins are always tough playing in a situation like that. Atlanta's a very good home team historically. Uh, we also saw the stat about LAFC on turf, and yeah. which is... Minus 16 goal differential. Minus 16 goal differential. So when you look at all that, LAFC had a good game. LAFC went there, competed, and I said, I, I don't want to keep documenting this whole podcast on my tweets, but I, you know, at the end of the game, I go. Actually, LAFC. that's how I plan the podcast. Like, okay, let's check go. out what you're doing. Sorry, sorry about that. I just uh, hit the, the mic. Uh, Ian, Liam. See, we have Ian, the sound guy. You remember yes. Spinal Tap, where they're good friends, and his name's Ian. He goes, Liam. Li- oh, Ian, Ian. Sorry, forgot the name. <laughs> I remembered your name, Ian. But uh, the uh, it was a good performance for 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 LAFC when you come out there. I sent the tweet out that said. LAFC outplayed Atlanta, and my old podcast partner, Hercules, and you love it when he always gets riled up. He goes, outplayed, question mark? And I go, I feel like he has yeah. a, he has some kind of filter, which maybe I'm giving him too much credit for his technological advances, but he has some kind of filter that says, like, just say the opposite of what Bredo said. He, yeah. really, he really gets at you anytime you say something, but I agree with you. And first half, I, and Herc, I, you said first half was to, a push. Herc, you're welcome to come on here and disagree with me, um, but I, I'm going to say this bluntly. I, then maybe you didn't watch the whole game from oh, start to finish. Oh, Gomez not watching the full game. Because first half, I think the chances were about the same. You yeah. had the Joseph Martinez chance. They had a lot more possession, but we we're had a ball in the looking. back of the net. We're going to stop looking at possession. Yeah. No, we're not even talking about possession. I'm not talking about possession at all. Good opportunities created. These teams both wanted to play in transition, so possession wasn't really important. Good opportunities. They should have done much better. Everyone had, you know, obviously with with both hovering had, around the, the, the both box. teams had opportunities to score in the first half, and I thought they were pretty even. And and again, one team did score in the one first team half. did <laughs> score in the first half, and we'll talk about that in a second. And then the second half, yes, yeah, sixty seconds in, you make a mistake. Just Martinez finishes. But other than that, the changes that the coaching staff made, we were passing the ball around. They were much more vertical. Sifu came in was a monster. Uh, they started to control the midfield. They started to really control the game more. It's look outplayed. Yes, didn't outfinish. One chance, 
and they finished their chance. We'll go back to the ball that we had in the back of the net. We did not finish our chances, but they definitely were creating much more. Atlanta, I can't even remember many times that they were in our our area of the field in the, the second half. half. Someone said to me, they didn't play. They didn't play outplay in the second half. Some folks on Twitter, but. And I'm not saying that, I, I thought I, I thought I was pretty intently watching it. I'm not saying Atlanta was bad. I'm just saying LAFC had a game plan in the second half and were executing up to the point of scoring a goal. LAFC should beat that Atlanta team. Yes, that Atlanta team. Joseph Martinez coming back, scoring goals is great. Yep. Still not the same player. He Still was. doesn't have the step he used to have. Doesn't have it. I don't think you can say okay, he's back. Um, and they're still working on some young players. Yep. They had a breakthrough. They Barco's okay-ish, but still holds onto the ball for too long. Yep. Uh, Moreno had some free kick opportunities, but otherwise, oh, what did he do? How many free kick opportunities? Well, talk. Should we go? Should we just go to Matt Penso? Okay, Chris Penso. Oh, Chris Penso. But before I go, that I messed up his name because I don't like him. It came off a mistake. Jesus Murillo. Yes. Who's having, who's, who's doing really well? Uh, is he one of the best defenders? I don't know if we could say that. He's going to be in the All Star game. Uh, I, I think at times I, he has been. He he's been really be. good. I, I think we we know that Eddie is our best defender, and we don't have him. Mm-hmm. LAFC, this was a mistake, and it was illuminated because LAFC weren't able to score. Mm-hmm. But LAFC, when they want to be good and competitive, should be able to absorb a defensive mistake like that. They always um, have been. They always to. have been. So it, 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 it illuminates over Murillo, but normally you wouldn't be talking as much because LAFC would probably find a response. Yeah, remember the last time we played at Atlanta United? It was a 4-3 game. Yeah. There was definitely defensive mistakes in that, but we scored four goals in 12 minutes and put that to bed. So, that's unfortunate. Unfortunate also was let's talk about the the officiating and um, we're not we're just we're just talking about how we can make VAR work because the the technology they use in Major League Soccer or the not the technology they use is much different than you'll see say in the Premier League. And I generally like it. I like it where and they've said it. I've heard Howard Webb in some of our our meetings gathering goes, we're putting that in the referee's hands. We want to give them the benefit of the doubts on these close decisions so they don't use the lines mm-hmm. where you can separate and see a gap, which when those pull out, I feel I feel I'm losing one of my soccer lives. I, I just it's it's I feel like it's someone taking the fun out of well here out of my life. Here's a directive and Bob was 100 percent correct on what he said post game. And a lot of people are going to take it with a grain of salt because they're going to think he's just grasping at straws because his team lost and he's under pressure. He's 100 percent right in this regard. Also, commentator thing that I hate. VAR will be checking that. VAR checks everything. They're supposed to check everything. That's well, their whole game. Go VAR is going no, no, no. To- this is this is the way it goes. VAR checks everything, but the referee. I guess the real VAR situation is when the referee actually shows up. That's when now we're calling into question the clear and obvious. VAR checks everything because the game goes on and VAR checks it. The only time it brings the referee in is if there's a clear and obvious reason. They found they felt felt that that was clear and obvious. That's where they I believe that they were wrong, and Bob was right. That's there's no way that that was clear and obvious, and he even needed to have a, a referee go out there after your if your assistant kept the flag down, and then you're going to show me a picture from behind the play, and I'm going to say, do you have another one? And you say no, then already right there, you're not clear and obvious. Yeah, well, I I feel like we've gotten away from the clear and obvious part, and we're like they got to look and go. Then don't use it. Okay, he kind of looks from this angle, but I'm the way I'm staring at it. It's not a straight line. Uh, and if they're looking at the same ones, if they're looking at something that we're not, we've got to be looking at what you're seeing. There's got to be 100% transparency. Max, has it changed? Oh, we we used to be told that the only views that VAR had were the same views as a broadcast camera. Yes, they haven't. No, they haven't. So that's why okay, so I, then, I, I say that. Then there can't not, be a hidden, some kind of hidden one. There isn't view. one. So okay. we're seeing the right. So it does not exist. Right 
Correct. Now, there was also, uh, I, and i got to give Blake from LAFC Central credit, they had another still shot of the review in the Seattle-Portland game, which was eerily similar, and it wasn't offside. Mm-hmm. So, well, I just, what, about, what about what Bob said about the Galaxy game? Everything, yeah, and Bob also said this, everything that the league has said about it is what I said about what I heard from Howard Webb, which is really refreshing, and we're like, all right, I can't take that away. It's, it's too close. It looks like it, but it's not clear and obvious, and you've got to remind yourself. Yeah. Chris Penzo looked at it for very... Uh, yeah, walked over there and goes, okay, got it. Offside. What? First of all, you messed up because you didn't give a yellow card on the, on the foul. How did, how did we have not a single yellow card until the 85th minute, and it was for dissent? That was... He was just... Brian Rodriguez got through. He was heading to the 18. Mm-hmm. Shirt was tugged. Uh, Going to Another create- yard away, it would have been a penalty. Yeah. And that's not a yellow. He, that's almost a, a dog so if that shirt is not pulled. It's not quite there. But it's sort of in the in the vicinity. No, it, look, it's a stone cold yellow. It's that's a simple one. I, I'm, I'm not, and I'm not arguing for there should have been a bunch of yellows in that game. There were, actually weren't that many other opportunities for there be, to be yellows. But it just it drives me nuts when that happens. Carlos, you could tell, was getting frustrated with oh, this yeah. ref throughout the match with, with the well, time wasted. A lot. I mean, Brad Guzan takes an hour to take every single goal kick, and Carlos is like, "Can we play? Can we play?" And the ref. It's walking over to him and just telling him, shut up, stop it, stop it. And it's like, oh, we, so we know where the priorities are. And then the only yellow he gives is for a descent. And it, it, it was, look, the amount of free kicks, even yellows to LAFC, if you're seeing that Moreno's getting all these free kicks, which he had like eight. And they are in, the, right in that first go, half. They give we, someone a yellow. Yeah. They hacked down Barco a couple times where yeah. it could have been, you know, I thought persistent so. infringement. Unless it goes both ways, but uh, it's. It was very. We could frustrating. do a whole podcast on the uh, the way we wish the games were were refereed, and it, it it was probably offside. Maybe it was offside. But you know, if, if we really looked at it, if we had the correct angle, you may see Mamadou falls head slightly head, and you okay, we'll call it offside. But that's not the but way. That's not the, the way you've told us it's going to work. And you always wonder about how things change the path of the way things would have normally gone in the old days before VAR. Goals this would have been a goal that would have lifted a team, mm-hmm. a, For a player kick that you don't see that often where mm-hmm. you don't go above or below, you go through. Mm-hmm. It's like he threw, Edward Artuesta threw a dart. Yeah, all he had to do box. get his head to it. Like, went like this, fall, perfectly heads it, off the post and in, so it had that beautiful sound. Mm-hmm. Ba-boom. Yeah. 18-year-old kid getting his first goal. And his first MLS start. On his first MLS start, and now it's never happened. I mean, he... Let's talk about Mamadou. Was he your, if you had to pick an LAFC man of the match, was he your yes. man of the match? I want to give. Close uh, second to, to Sifu. I want to give Daniel Christos, I'm going to butcher his name, Christos Tomo, which we're going to talk. I want to talk to him because I love his game. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure what, I got a good chance to look at it, but yeah. see a guy who just runs at balls, intercepts. Clean. Connects. He recycles possession pretty Sorry. well. Looks, looks to. A simple job. We've seen a lot of guys, but did it well. Yeah. I mean, you could say uh, Latif had a moment where. He, if he does a simple job and plays the ball to Cheeky, uh, we're, we're talking about a, a really good opportunity. So sometimes, yeah, you need guys that are just clean. Clean on the ball, looking for the next pass, kind of thinking ahead, knowing, I don't have to be a hero here. I just need to, to move the ball along and get it at the feet of my guys, like Sifu and Atuesta. I, I think he can do a job. So, yes, to answer your question, yes, Mamba do fall. And I, when you look at this team and when Steve Trondolo fall- told us, remember? Yeah, he's he gonna did. Be good. And he must have been behind the Chrysostomo too as well because that that that's that's a mercurial rise for someone. I'd, who I'd heard he'd consistently been their best midfielder, and that includes 
guys like Bryce Duke that had been sent from the first team. So they were like, well, I mean, we need we need guys, we need we need players. So let's give him the chance. He's not a kid. He's twenty four. No, but some of these younger players getting that opportunity, and obviously Mamadou Fall to the head of the class. We got young players now. They're that next generation, the teenagers. We don't have any teen, and some of our academy players have had injury issues. Eric Duenas is out, and but this shows that that's the scouting for the young players is working. He had another one of those runs where he just made a beeline and he tried to take on the defender. He's like he's a playmaker. Yeah. It, he's got that in his bag. I love his his passing range. Yeah. He like, hits one, of the, one of the things that's driven me a little bit crazy with Mario this year, I mean, uh, he, he's been good and I, I love having him back there, but the aimless kind of long balls that he plays where I'm like, who is that? Who is that too? Uh, but Mamadou was getting on the ball and he was playing some some real nice passes, some good passes along the ground. You know, it's tough. You get guys like, I remember Walker used to do this. And Walker, people would always say, Walker's a great passer. And I'd say, he's a pretty good passer. But what he would do is he would, and people love to say, he breaks the lines. Yes, he, he would break the lines. He would do it on the ground, which is a good way to do it. It's a usually easier to control. But man, he pinged that ball. So a ball 50 yards on the ground is very difficult to control when you're doing it in tight spaces. Mamadou's ball seems a little bit, it just has a nice roll to it. It's a little bit softer. He's finding the moments where he can play that so that they can still half turn up field and get up field. Yeah, it, it, it explodes off his foot, though. It goes boom. Yeah. Well, when he hits, he hits a nice long ball too. But it has a it has that little bit of loft to it. It's nice. We're, we're missing nice. we're missing that. Atuesta hasn't done so well to do those lately. John Champion and Taylor Twelman, two guys whose opinions we really respect, who've seen a lot of the sport. Taylor in Major League Soccer, they were on the call. John Champion seen everything, mm-hmm. and he said it the the what's it why. The eye, if it, was the it, eye test. The results the eye test. haven't been there, but every, they it's, pass they the eye test every time. It. And again, the results have to get there. And they have a game Saturday against Vancouver. Then there's the All-Star break. And to take a bad run, this yeah. Vancouver game is massive And then, and then it's Galaxy. And then it's Galaxy. You need, because you're going to have that break. It's not really a break. You still have a game. Between. It's not a break at all. Actually, not a break at all. The rest of the team will still be training through that entire It's not a break period. at all. So uh, you'd like something like that. Kind of just to get you, let's just say, forget the break, just going to the well, Galaxy. We haven't said the one thing that is, it's the biggest thing that it, that is plaguing this team. And the reason why we haven't said it, because there's not necessarily an easy fix for it, it's confidence. They lack confidence. And it's not just in their finishing, uh, it's in their pressing. You know, when, when you're playing in a team that, that everything's kind of hitting, there's almost this feeling like it's a wave behind you, especially when you're pressing. Like you get this vibe, like when you see your teammate run to the first guy and then you see the next where the next pass is going, you're almost it's like you're connecting the dots ahead of time and you know that the guy behind you is gonna get to the next guy and it just seems to work out. And the next thing you know, the ball's in the back of the net, and I you can tell they don't feel that right now. Yeah. Um it's I can't explain it really. It's just a feeling, it's a vibe you get where all of a sudden you you see your teammate doing the right thing and you're like Oh, if I just make this next step, we're gonna go, and then you get rewarded, and it almost—it just—it's a self-rewarding thing where you just—it just keeps tumbling. Right now, they're not getting rewarded for anything; they're doubting themselves, and that's—that's that's plaguing a lot of their game. Diego Rossi is certainly at the top of that list because he's making his way in there. There was an amazing off- touch, but then doesn't amazing finish. touch. Well, the one where he's in behind the defense, and he's right at the edge of the eighteen. This is in the second yeah, half. Doesn't late. carry it through. And Twelman, Taylor Twelman said it even too. He's like a very good goal scorer t- in this league. Just take another couple touches and go right in there. And then he shot it from 18 yards. He had Carlos there. The wrong choice because you're pressing. Mm-hmm. Because you need a goal so badly because they've been so hard to come by. Look, Seattle scored six last night. They just come. Yeah, scoring for fun. LAFC is capable of that mm-hmm. where it just kind of, it all comes. Yeah. But the confidence has to click in. And right now, 
instead of having five or six guys with confidence, very few are. This is not very high. They're, the effort's there. They work hard. But that confidence is is going to be tested if the results don't come. Uh, absolutely. I, I will leave with this, and maybe this isn't – I think it's a good note, uh, maybe not the highest note, but I was just doing some digging. This is the first time uh, – the, the six-game unbeaten streak is the first time in LRC history. Another thing I found out, first time they've ever lost three matches in a row. So in almost four years, they've never lost three matches in a row. It's kind of a feat. Then I dug a little deeper, including this. It's only the sixth time that they had – uh, lost two matches on on a bounce. Usually, this team, if they lose a match, is able to right the ship pretty quickly. So, to Bob's point, it is their like darkest moment, uh, and uh, they're not they can't feel sorry for themselves because they're just going to have to dig their way out. With the old guard, if they get the confidence and these kids coming in pushing them, the chance for for that eureka moment is there. And They've fallen. Yeah. They've really, this is a, obviously, they've fallen off the back wheel of those top teams and now out of the playoff spots. You got you to gotta engineer some confidence. Like somebody's got to walk in that, that locker room and just be like, guys, we're scoring six goals today. Even if, they, even if, even if it's not really going to happen, like somebody's going to, there's going to have to be a few guys that have to really believe it and just grind. Even if, even if you say we're going to score six, but you grind out a 1 0 victory, I feel like that would be huge for these guys' confidence. We don't have any news about Cheeky. Uh, we do not. But, uh, we did not look. We good. don't have news. Obviously, didn't look great, and uh, he was emotional there on the field as the the athletic trainers came over, Sean and everyone. Uh, it's uh, we'll have to wait and see. We'll probably have some more details, but whatever happens, he has been really good since he's come back from international duty. Yes, he uh, he's confident. The, Mayor, I always told you about the crosses. The crosses are, are they're co- they're going they're, they're now, getting in. Yeah, he's finding ways to he's get in, get crossing ball. in. His dribbling's been better coming inside to outside. Yeah, he's. I mean, he was my player to watch for this game because I thought in a disappointing game against San Jose, he was a really a good good player that was doing some nice things. And if LAFC or Major League Soccer wants to recruit in Ecuador, what Sifu and Chiki have done has only bolstered that relationship because mm-hmm. they've, I think exceeded what you could realistic expectations you could have put on them yeah I mean some good players coming out of Ecuador man good play they're the their league is actually pretty good you have Argentina Brazil I look at the Ecuadorian league and those teams deliver those clubs there's money down there Angel Mena Mena Angel Mena oof He's a player. Caicedo, we haven't older, seen it. Brian, did he play for Brian finally? Is oh, they, are no. they no, I don't think so. Get out of there. Come Moises to MLS. Caicedo. Moises Caicedo. Oh, yeah. Hey, maybe we get him on loan? He, uh... We're, we're wheeling and dealing, Max. Actually, it's too late to get him on, on loan, I think, because of the way the window right, closed. we'll see. Okay. We'll see. But he was rumored, I think, to Atlanta at one point. So, yeah. uh... Well, they're, they're full with DPs now, so... They're full of... <laughs> <laughs> we can't have an empty DP. So, the business of LAFC will go on, too, and we'll talk about that a little bit. Yes. We will, uh... Take a, we'll, we'll take, take a little one break. of our world-famous pauses here, and we'll be back with more Inside LAFC, the Max and Vince podcast. Pick your heads up. It's not the end of the world. We'll be all right. Welcome back to our wonderful listeners, subscribers here on Inside LAFC, Max and Vince podcast. We were going to have John Thorrington, uh, LAFC president and general manager, join us here. He had to reschedule. So we have studio space on a Monday we're going to do it via Zoom Tuesday. So it's, it's not a beautiful g- studio on a Monday, but we're going to go to Zoom. So you're going to get a little bit of a hit on our, our video component. But we figure this is a great time. We want to talk to John, and we have a, a lot of questions we want to ask him. be great for you so you can get an idea of what's going on with the club. So that's what's going to happen. It's not going to look super smooth, but we'll get, we'll get, we'll get the important stuff out. But we do it for you because we want you to have the best information. And John Thornton is a guest we do not pass up, especially at this time in the season. So there'll be a, there'll be a little adjustment here, and we'll get right into it, uh, our conversation here with John Thornton. 
We're back here on Inside LAFC, the Max and Vince podcast. As we touched on it, we a little a change of scenery here so we could get John Thorrington on, our president and general manager, who joins us now. Hello, John. I believe it's your third appearance on this pod, which puts you in very rare air. So I just want to be the first to congratulate you. I think we have to mail you something like a nice bottle of champagne. I don't know, but there's something in the works. I appreciate that. I'm flattered, flattered, <laughs> I, I, flattered and honored. Maybe we'll get John a 110 t-shirt, but I don't want to like infringe on your style, John, but you can, you can do what you will with it. We'll send you one. Fair. I'll take it. So uh, things we know have been very busy for you uh, dealing with the marketplace for MLS, dealing with a European marketplace. Uh, you, you look at the summer months and we'll, we'll talk about the team, but uh, just as it applies to you and, uh, what things that keep you busy, things that are going to, uh, things that are, you have to prioritize here as we move into, uh, the month of September here shortly. Yeah, I think for me, obviously we had a disconnect of windows this year where our MLS window closes and would it be useful if I explain? Yes. Yes. Okay. Bring so, it on. Information. This, understand. Is, this is a misnomer. People hear the term transfer window all the time and don't quite understand what it means. So a transfer window, and they need to think of a better term, but it is a transfer window being open means that players can come in. Now, our transfer window can be closed, which it now is, but players can still go out. So the European window is open through the end of the month. So while we can no longer bring in players, I think the cutoff was August 5th, uh, uh, we can still sell a player or a player can move, move out. So when you talk about transfer windows, it just always means a transfer window being open. I mean, it is open for incoming players. And as long as the other federation's window is open, no matter if yours is closed or not, you can always send players into that, through that window, I suppose. It's a weird term. Uh, the one exception to that, which is still a possibility, is if there's a player who was a free agent at the close of your window, then you can bring that player in outside of your windows. But with that rare exception, that is the, those are the two periods during which we can bring players in. So understandably, that is a very busy period for us. That's like tax season for the accountants where you're looking to bring players in. Typically it also coincides with sending, moving players on. In this case, we've had about a three and a half week lag or a dis discrepancy between the European window closed and ours. So we're still in conversations about potential moves for our, our players to go into Europe. And, uh, you know, I think South America's windows are also still open. So yes, it's been very busy. Those are as the best, the best example I can give, as I say, is tax season for the accounts. It's all systems go. It's, being on European time zone, South American time zone, it's just nonstop, which is, is really fun when you get the things you want done, et cetera. What's been really frustrating is the continued stagnation of the market, which we're seeing. I think one thing that's a really promising sign, and I think something we will be participants in in the near future is the value that you're seeing of the young American player in MLS, I think clubs have really highlighted the value you can get there in that range of spend that you're seeing of these young players that have gone abroad. And that's a great 
story for the league. And as I say, as our academy ages out, I think we will be participants in that, that level of the market. What you're seeing continue to stagnate is that next level up, which we have a number of guys that have had and continue to draw interest from these clubs in Europe. So it's still a really interesting market. As we've seen in years past, things tend to pick up the closer you get to deadline. But it's been it's been a really interesting period. And, and one thing that the benefit, I suppose, is that as you get closer to that window, you get more clarity on this is your group and this is your group for the rest of the year. And like guys, we're in this together and we need to make sure we finish the season in the right way. John, a question that I had that fans wonder about a lot is uh, they look at the numbers of a player, uh, how many goals they've scored in MLS, how they do that. You do this both ways where you sell players and you buy players. And I know numbers are important to a certain extent. I mean, you're, if you're buying a proven goal scorer, you want to see some goals in that column. But what, what are you hearing from, uh, you know, the bigger, you know, the Europe's, uh, maybe even the bigger teams in South America? Are they always are they also looking for numbers? Because I always tell fans, you know, a lot of these guys, they scout these guys so many times that. The numbers are important, but at a certain point, they become irrelevant because they're looking for traits. Yeah, I think <clears throat> I think clubs are different, and I think numbers are important. Eye test is important. Character evaluation is important. I think as you put the various the package of a player together, each club would prioritize things or scale things a little bit differently. I think we. We do rely on numbers as a big data point as in terms of driving decisions, because what's really hard to do when you scout another league is to translate that performance into our league. Numbers can help with that. One thing that is still deficient on a global scale is physical data for various reasons. You know, our, our league is reluctant to share because some of that's seen as medical information, things like that, that that is not as clear and as easily to capture and um, and aggregate as scoring or expected goals or those types of statistics. So I think each club weighs things a little bit differently. We certainly have data from the leagues of interest to us that we analyze and use as we evaluate players. And, and actually, let, let, let me, let me um, answer a question you haven't asked. The other thing we do with our data is we take, we do that for other teams in Europe as well. So like we will take the data of our players here and say, well, who does this match with overseas? And, and, and as we, one big part of our model, a financial model, football model is the sale of these guys. And we've, we've done a really good job internally in terms of, I should say really good job. We have been able to be an active participant in the internal transfer market in MLS, but when we're talking about the Diego's and Edwards and moving them on into Europe, we've taken at the, under the, the leadership of our data analyst, Max, a more proactive look at where would these guys fit in terms of their game model? So it's like we're trying to do that work for these other clubs to present them with players, not just saying this guy's score, this guy's the leading goal scorer in the league last year, but this is how he actually fits into how you play. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting, but is, is I mean, I, correct me if I'm wrong here, but with that data and going to clubs, say you're 
say it was Diego Rossi and you wanted to get him an opportunity, do you seek these clubs and say, this could be a good match, this is the data? Or how often is it, hey, we like him, we'd love to see him, let's see if we can find a, 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 a right agreement that would make both club holes. What percentage would you say of, of, of each do you get? Well, this is, I don't think that the norm is to go and be as proactive as we have been, but I think the challenge we still have as a league is the path for a guy from South America at a significant level of expenditure to come into the league to then improve and go on to the next level of global football. It's not, it's not a well-worn path yet. So if you are a scout in the UK and you see two players, one's in Belgium or Holland, Portugal, name it, and one's in MLS, and you're actually thinking, ah, this guy's got something. It's harder for that scout to recommend the MLS player because it's not, it's still not a well-worn path. So what we've tried to do is develop a tactical approach that helps overcome that bias. And this is how we do it. Now it's relatively in its infancy and it was a great, and I'm, I don't want to take credit for it. It was Max's idea. And I think it's a great one, but so it's not the norm and we're starting and we even see when we talk to these, I'll then speak to the sporting directors and say, oh, you know, we've got this package for you. And they're like, whoa, this is, and, and I would have the same reaction if, if uh, Max, you mentioned you've done the, uh, the Penurol games recently. If they were to come to me and say, hey, this is why Diego Rossi fits perfectly in your game model. Here's a goal you scored last year. Here's a goal he scored last year. Here's his physical data. Here's your guys' physical data. You know, that's, uh, we're trying to overcome or at least smooth some of these uh, roadblocks for the decision makers at these other clubs. I just want to clarify before we go any farther. When you say Max, you're not meaning Max Fredos. It's Max Odenheimer. I, I love my my partner uh, in crime here, but it's Max Wait. Odenheimer for those people listening that think that Max Fredos is not just calling I the games. To, and... I referred to Max doing the Penurol game. The data analyst, Max Odenheimer, who Vince, you rightly say, everybody loves, uh, that is who I'm referring to as I, as I speak about our proactive selling strategy. We have about five Maxes in the, in the company for the record, which is new for me because I'm usually the only Max, but the name is getting more popular, which is, it's progress. Because when I was, when I was in my younger, it was a dog's name, so I'll, I'll take it. You're blazing a trail. You can all <laughs> but you can always use more Vince's. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, John, I want to ask you about one uh, particular term that you use, stagnation. Uh, and I question, two questions for you. The, when you see stagnation, are you referring to prices in particular, or are you referring to interest and the amount of teams coming through? Uh, and then the other is, at what point do you look at what you have um, and say, you know, we're running down the years in, in contracts. Um, the sunken cost doesn't necessarily matter. It matters to our ownership, of course, um, but we need to have proof of concept and we need to move these guys on because luckily MLS financial records are not so widely shared and you can kind of paper around that. Or maybe I'm, I'm assuming too much, but that's my question about stagnation. Yeah. So stag it actually applies to both. It's a, it applies to both. And I think how it's connected is, is in this way is that there, there needs to be movement in the market and then you get this trickle down effect. Now there still is movement of Man City buying players for 100 million pounds, right? That's movement. And hopefully you start to see that trickle down because now Villa might go buy someone and what have you. The analogy I've used is like a game of musical chairs and there's no music playing. So like you need the music playing, you need movement to happen for 
these these clubs who say we love your guy but we got to sell this guy first and for them to sell that guy first that club needs to move their guy to buy their and and so on and so forth so that's that's part of the stagnation and then the other one is the economics of it which valuations of players just the, the liquidity in the market is not what it was 18 months ago so and you've seen that reflected which aside from the top clubs teams are not in a financial position to spend as they once were so we have to adapt to that and that means being open to a loan for brian rodriguez when we weren't otherwise ever going to look at something like that it might mean a recalibration of valuation players are not commodities so the value of a player is what someone's willing to pay for it's not a a set price on an index to say if you've done this and you've scored that yeah you get round about what it should cost but only if someone's willing to pay it and so that's those are the dynamics i am seeing at play still in this market which if you'd have asked me in january i was hoping that we would start to see more confidence. And look, watching games in Europe this weekend, full crowds, that's that's uplifting and what have you. And if we continue, I think there will be more optimism that more revenue is coming into the game, which enables this spend on players, which that's where fans' money goes. That's where TV money goes. It goes to buying players, paying their salaries. So the more of that we get back through uh, fans, partnerships, et cetera, then... I do believe we will start to see uh, a move towards market recovery. Just to reinforce that point, and I was watching a lot of games this weekend, and the, the Premier League team that I follow, West Ham, came out, and their starting 11 was the exact same starting 11 they had at the end of the season. There was no activity. Most Even clubs like Barcelona and Real Madrid, we know that they obviously have some financial issues. and They parted ways with some big names, but they don't really bring guys in. It's like I, it, was a, it was a new phenomenon when you see the status quo without this big rollout of pl- new players for certain clubs, from the top clubs to the, the middle-tier clubs. They still have some time in their market. Is, do you foresee a flurry, whether it applies to LFC or not, do you see a flurry from those European teams or it seemed like they might be a, they're okay to kind of see how it plays out? I hope so. You know, I, I, I hope that we start to see that because that's a lot of clubs are dependent upon this. I wouldn't say um, it's easy to predict at this stage because there is no roadmap for what we're going through. COVID's the black swan. Like we, there is no predicting it. There is no, oh, remember when this happened and then we're going to get to normalcy here. I mean, you guys know this. We're, we're in the States like a few months ago. Everybody's like this summer we're roaring back. And then all of a sudden it's now, it's, it's a little bit more hesitant again. So it's, it's, I've, I've given up trying to predict. We have to make decisions as best we can with the information we have to hand, but things have been changing almost daily. John, one thing you touched on in, in uh, breaking down transfers for everyone, which I, I appreciate because I think a lot of people do mistake it because transfers, again, like you said, it's specifically a player under contract. You're buying out their contract in order to give them basically a new one. Yeah. Uh, but where I want to go is, uh, and I asked Max how, how I should how I should phrase this. So you have like a, a Scrooge McDuck pile of allocation cash or a stash. How, I don't know how we want to say it, uh, but it's you do. Drawer, I've got a big uh, kitty back here. In my <laughs> yeah, Max wanted to know where you keep it. Is it like Bitcoin and you just can have it on your phone? Like what, how do you, that's not my question. My question is with. It's in an Excel spreadsheet is where it is. <laughs> it is. It, I bet you that's exactly where it, it is. Hey, it's not. Game's not played on a spreadsheet, though, right? Oh, uh, I had to do it. 
but what I want to ask is with, that's like that uh, the quote I heard once where um, someone's like, oh, "How good's this team?" and they say, "Well, on paper, so and so." And the, this old curmudgeonly English guy goes, "You don't play on paper." Yeah, play on paper. <laughs> not not yet. Papa football club. But you have done well within the league, and you do have the flexibility until I believe September fifteenth uh, to still bring in players that are out of contract. Uh, you have. Every time we've had you on here, said like moves are always done with a, a, sh a short term, a medium term, and a long long term. Um, but when you look at the that Excel spreadsheet, um, is there a possibility that it could be used in the short term? Is there is there uh, targets that you have, or is this something that this is a, a long play for you guys? I do think it's possible we we make a an acquisition. I mean the that small group of players that were out of contract as of August 5th. There are some of interest that we are still looking at, which we could bring in. You know, this is, uh, I, I don't want to turn this like everything else in our lives into a COVID conversation. If you're talking about a foreigner, you're dealing with timing of quarantining and what have you all over again. But yes, I do think there is possibility that we utilize some of those funds. I mean, we already have, Arango was a significant acquisition. Mm -hmm. um, and, so yes, it is possible that we utilize this short window to help strengthen the group as we make hopefully a push towards the rest for the rest of the season. But certainly it positions us incredibly well, both with international slots with money mm -hmm. uh, in order to spend and improve the group as we, as we look forward. As you said, we don't play on spreadsheets, so it, there's no use in having this these resources unless we utilize them to good effect, which will, which is obviously our, our intent. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys had managed your allocation cash in a way that the Christian Arango deal uh, could have been done before the trade of Mark Anthony Kay and the trade of Corey Barrett. So you, you do still have a, what we would call a, a hefty surplus. Yes. And I think we will utilize that as best we can to improve this group. And, and to clarify for people listening, uh, John can also use that to give guys better deals on their con. This, there's a lot of ways you can use that cash, not just bringing in players. So I don't want people to think I'm yeah, only, you can at, only do it for that. Yeah, at risk of <clears throat> oversimplifying, because it's not quite exact, all general allocation money is basically money you can use, whether that's on your current guys, bringing in new guys, and you can trade it. So like the, the dollars that are in our salary cap, I can't trade. Allocation is money I can use towards my salary cap. I can use towards player expenditures, but I can also trade it. It's uh, it's sometimes when the trades happen and I think the fan base or wait, we, this player goes here, we're getting allocation money. How does that relate? And it's, I find it fascinating because it does go back to players, as you said, and I think we're breaking down the layers a bit of allocation money, which was this big mystery apparatus. Uh, maybe not to you, but some of the fans out there. But uh, how have you seen it working, um, working with it in your capacity? Obviously, you've done well because the allocation money you're getting in return has been has been astronomical, not astronomical, but it's been very, very an offer you can't refuse in many ways. And selling a player and getting more allocation money back from a club in the case of Corey Baird. But are are you how comfortable are you when it comes to using that allocation money? And you think it's a it's a good apparatus for this league is and is it working? 
Well, if you want to be active within the league, the only things you can trade is that there are very few assets that you can trade within the league because there isn't an, an open transfer market like there is if I go to Pennyroll and buy one of their players with cash. So it is the mechanism we have in order to engage with other teams and improve our team from players within the league. I still think, and it's something we're looking at in terms of address of uh, uh, finding the right balance. I think MLS experience is really important. I think to have a group of guys that know what this league, this league is unique. It's idios. It's unlike, and that's when we talked about earlier scouting, how you translate, what are these Colombian league games? What would that look like here? And I do think that that's, that's why I do think we need to utilize it and find those right guys that have MLS experience. We've had a number of them, over the years that have proven really helpful. And now look, some of our foreigners that are now getting more MLS experience could certainly be, be helpful to that end. But no, I think it is the tool we have at our disposal to, uh, to make these transactions with teams throughout the league. So we have to use it to the best of our ability. John, we'd be uh, remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about what the team's doing right now, because everything we're kind of talking about is all theoretical and uh, it kind of possible now we're uh, actually moving to the grass from the spreadsheet yes yes we're moving to the grass uh john i just want to get your that's the name of a book right there uh, yeah it could be maybe maybe a max odenheimer book yeah uh, i just want to get your your general uh vibe at where the team's at obviously we're speaking to you now in the midst of this uh six game winless streak uh longest in club history although i did point out in the segment before that it is incredible that this is the first time this team has ever lost three games in a row um, and including this, only the sixth time that they've had a, a streak where it's been consecutive losses. Like this team doesn't normally lose games in a, in bunches. So where where are you at? What what are you seeing? How, how what's your feelings on on what's going on on the on the pitch? Yeah, it's interesting. So the things you just said, right, is like <clears throat> you want to take some solace from that and be like, oh, but in the past this didn't. You know, this is almost like a pat on the back. This hasn't happened before, but that's not, it feels like a gut punch. It doesn't feel like a pat on the back. This is undeniably a rut that we have never been in, uh, that players who have been at this club have never been through. And it's a, a challenge now to say, well, here we are. And that's where I think also that some of the, the talk of, transfers of potential movement or whatever that it may help this group to have the clarity of being like these these are your comrades this is we're in the trenches now guys and things don't come easy when uh you're in ruts like this and it's as simple as saying there have been large parts of our history as a club relatively short history as a club and that's not to say we haven't had our frustrations, but where it felt like we were rolling down a hill and things felt like easier. And not to say we took for granted the success that has come our way. A lot of work went into that, but this is new and it feels at times like you're pushing up a hill, but that's what we have to do. Being where we are right now, nobody's happy with, nobody thinks it's an acceptable position. And it's on all of us to lose sleep until we get it right and work towards what are the things we need to do with our players, for our players, for our staff to get back to where this club deserves to be? Now, this is to the good. It's yes, that's great that we haven't been here before. And I can point to 
probably every other club in MLS who's been through this. We're not, this is not new. Uh, it's new for LAFC, but any other club, many of whom that we're now looking up at in the table have all been through this. And, the, you know, they, they, they ride it out. And, and I hope this is very short-lived because it's a, it's a painful process for us as a club to see this group of very talented players in a place at the table that is not where I think the group should be and it's not where they think they should be. So for us, you know, we're, we're thinking long and hard about what we can do. I, I don't think there is any disconnect in this building or across the organization as to why we are where we are. I think, um, from spreadsheet to grass is keep popping into my head, but there are a number of things that can tell you and prove that we are like this close, right? That a few different things, uh, Sifu shot in Atlanta, crashed off the crossbar. Murray uncharacteristically makes a mistake and it's one zero. And all of a sudden you're thinking like how, and, and they don't have a shot other than that in the second half and you lose. And how many times have we said that? And it's uh, which becomes more and more frustrating. Now, I personally do not think the performances have been at the levels they need to be, but I also would say that the results to date have not matched the performances. The challenge that you have now though, is that we're human. And the longer you go where results don't match performance, it starts to affect your performance. So that is now, the like bootstrapping, like let's go fight through this together and stay convicted about what it means to play for this club, work for this club, deliver what this club deserves, what its supporters deserve. Um, and we have 15 games to do that. It's actually been really nice this past week. Um, I know you're not on social media, but on Instagram, some of the LAFC players, I, I just off the top of my head, I saw Diego and Brian kind of say in, in many words what you're doing. Hey, it's been a tough spot, but we've got to find a way out. We don't like where we're at. We're going to do, we're going to put our, our efforts in. And I've seen that. And I think it's a, it, it's refreshing because as you said, you know, when you're in when form is this way, you get you, the frustration does kick in, but this team has always really put an honest effort. And I know the club is going through a lot of different ways to find a group that can put it over the top. And I wanted to ask you about the Las Vegas lights. Cause even this week, Mamadou fall, who we heard from Steve Chirindola, who's also under the roof to have an incredible resource of a player with his pedigree, uh, being able to, uh, lean into for advice, or obviously he has his eyes on these guys for the lights. And then, uh, Chris Ostomo came in and played well, a guy who's given an opportunity that wasn't on the radar and this Las Vegas lights, uh, set up, obviously gave him an opportunity to put him in. I know we've used the word window before, but in the window, see, Hey, can this guy uh, produce? So I, I've obviously seen it. Vince has seen uh, the fruits of the Las Vegas lights, but maybe give an idea of how, how that works and how you identify these guys that you put into these positions and by and large have answered the bell. Yeah. I think you mentioned a few of them and I think this is, the positive side of our frustration is we're talking about guys like fall and Danny Crisosmo that deserve credit. They show, they went into a big game, big atmosphere and showed up and showed all the way up. And that's certainly really encouraging. And look, you guys know the way this staff is, if you're the one who's showing up every day in training and playing well, 
doesn't matter what your name is, you're playing. And I often say to players, players decide who plays, not coaches. And occasionally a coach will make a tactical change. By and large, players decide who plays. So to have the, the Vegas group getting regular games and opportunities to show that more regularly because it's difficult in just within the MLS land, uh, uh, league season to get as many guys these games. But you've seen the benefit of fall. You've seen that benefit more recently of Chris Ostomo, who we signed to a deal because we thought, you know, this guy may help us. And I think he will in this 15-game stretch. And I think with limited ability to refresh the group because we haven't sold players and moved players on that I think otherwise would have happened aside from factors outside of our control, that's one way in which we can improve as a group. We'll start to see the benefit even more as our academy players graduate into Vegas. They're getting this incredible experience now with Steve and playing in real games to then graduate to, to LAFC. So for us, it's been great. We've seen the Danny Masofsky scores a goal uh, against Kansas City. He's probably not as sharp where he's not playing for Vegas. Bryce Duke has shown uh, at moments the benefit of having been in Vegas and coming into LAFC games. So we see that as a really critical piece of our overall program now and then also moving forward. John, we've, we've had you on for quite a while now. So uh, this is this I has love been awesome. talking to you guys. We love well, talking to you because you cover all the bases. We're putting this book together. So this is a chapter yeah. from spreadsheet to grass. So this is great. And, and this is great for us, uh, John. We can't say enough how much this helps us in shaping ourselves because we hear it from the source. And you and Bob have been absolutely first class. And everyone at the club has always been first class with us. Yeah, John, you, you make us better because we want to try to bring the best info and the best inside right. knowledge. And you have been more than gracious with allowing us to have that. And that doesn't that it does not work that way at a lot of clubs and even just in a lot of sporting organizations in general. So we always uh, take pride in being able to talk to you and, and ask you questions and you, you don't duck anything. So we appreciate that. Of course, happy to do it anytime. Make sure I'm, your, I'm the first of four also. <laughs> love it, I love it. Come back next week, let's do it. <laughs> let's go. And you guys are great. Uh, I do appreciate your guys' perspective as well. You're not homers, you speak truth. Uh, and, and we certainly appreciate your guys' insight, your thoughts. And, uh, and through this, we've already come up with one book. We'll see where we get to next time. We'll plug Max's from Spreadsheet to the Grass. <laughs> of um, course. And, uh, and yeah, thank you guys for all you do. Fantastic. And we'll, we'll the team will be back home, at Max. it. Yes, the team will be back at it Saturday. And then it's time for the All-Star Week. And we'll have a lot of great stuff rolling out for you guys during that week so stay tuned it's going to be a lot of fun regardless of how much or how little you can participate in the all-star festivities a lot of stuff going on I want to thank john for joining us and yes vince and myself and we'll be back next week here on the inside lafc max and vince podcast